You're listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with host Howard Bender and John and Themba. What is going on, FA Nation? John and Pemby here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome back to the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast. It is week one, Coop. We've made it, right? We've been preparing for this day for months and months. We've gone through our fantasy football drafts. We've gotten our cheat sheets, our draft guides. We've done numerous podcasts, breaking down ADPs, exploring best balls, all of it to get to here, to week one of the 2022 NFL season. It's crazy to think about. A lot of our listeners at Fantasy Alarm, a lot of our members, fantasy football is a year-round thing. So for a lot of us, it's just, here we go. It's another part of the year-long season. But for most people, this is big. Football is back, dude. Football is, it's crazy how we, in our minds, it's going a certain way and it's going to go a certain way. And then on Sunday, we're going to realize how ridiculous it actually is. Everything just goes out the window, haywire. Nothing is the way it seems. So Week one is just, it's a glorious thing, and I'm pumped for it. Yeah, it is fantastic. We got a lot to get to here. As you all know, with our fantasy football podcast during the season, we go through each matchup. We bring you the guys that we like to start, that you're playing, any roster decisions, and we talk a little bit about maybe the headlines or the stories or things we're looking for in each matchup. So, Coop, let's just get into it. Thursday night football kicks off the season. Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, defending Super Bowl champions... Two and a half point home underdogs to begin the season. A 52 and a half point spread in this game. Tell me about who you are looking at in this game. Who are you looking to start, fade? Where are we at? Yeah. Anytime you have a 52 and a half over under, that's projected to be a shootout. Those are the big boys. If this were a big slate, right? Like a Sunday slate, this is a stack game. Yeah. Because 52 and a half total. That's what we're looking for, folks. Exactly. That's the big thing. But that's where you start, right? If you have a, obviously you're starting Josh Allen if you have him. You're starting Stephon Diggs if you have him. You're starting Cooper Cup if you have him. Those guys are locked into your lineups. After that, it really depends on your team. Guys like Allen Robinson, Gabe Davis, you probably were drafting them to start for you. So you get them in there. Just know that on one side, Matt Stafford's got an elbow issue. Who knows what that's going to be like for somebody like Allen Robinson. On the other side, we don't really know what Gabe Davis's role is. Very interested to see what happens with him early on. What kind of things are you looking for in this game, John? Yeah, the Gabe Davis one for me, of course. We love to talk about reaction Mondays here in the fantasy football industry. How quickly is Gabe Davis going to put panic Or are we going to have some victory lappers coming after week one? That's a storyline for me. The other one is the Isaiah McKenzie hype, right? We all came into this year thinking, all right, Jamison Crowder replacing Cole Beasley. We saw the impact Cole Beasley was having out of the slot over these last couple of years in Buffalo. Except it was Isaiah McKenzie who torched our New England Patriots last year in one of the games. Is now taking over that role. He's been getting a lot of camp praise. It's looking like he's going to be ready for week one. So the Buffalo receivers not named Stephon Diggs, I think are going to be interesting because Diggs, is going to have the tougher matchup with Ramsey covering him in the in this game. So Davis and McKenzie are going to have really good opportunities to kind of shine. So th- that's from the Buffalo standpoint. That in the running back rotation. You know, Devlin Singletary is likely going to be that starting running back. But for how long? What's his overall role going to be like? And when does James Cook come into play? So when I'm looking at this game from the Buffalo side, it's the McKenzie hype. It's Gabe Davis. He's going to be boomer bust. And it's the running back situation in Buffalo. Yeah, that's going to be a theme for a lot of these games because the running back shares, the time shares, that 
A lot of it we don't know, and we're going to get some answers week one. Sneakily on the other side, Daryl Henderson's been getting a lot of hype. A lot of the zero RB and hero RB drafters like our own Kevin Tompkins, those people love Daryl Henderson. Like he's now going in the range that you see. He's going ahead of guys like Kenneth Gaines. He's big. Honestly, I've seen him go close to Tony Pollard. Like people are talking about him that way because there's been some hype about his usage. So you're going to find out week one whether James Cook or Daryl Henderson are guys you can start right away. The difference for me is that Daryl Henderson's been in this league. If he doesn't have a role week one, then I'm probably going to drop him for another pickup. James Cook's a rookie. So if he doesn't have a role week one, I still might stash him and hope that role grows. That's the difference for me is that rookies sometimes take time to come on and, uh, and get ramped up like Odell Beckham Jr., Amon Ross St. Brown, even Derek, guys like Derrick Henry didn't start right away, David Johnson. So I give the rookies get a little more leash in terms of me stashing them for upside than somebody like a Daryl Henderson. Like his role is not going to drastically change in week four just for no reason. Yep, I agree with you there. And again, we expect Cooks to sort of work his way, if not immediately throughout the year, to be somewhat valuable. Again, I just want to throw this out before we move on to the next team. This is the Thursday night game. If you are on Yahoo, if you are on Sleeper, if you are on FFPC, go in there and drop your kicker or anybody of inconsequential value, add the Daryl Henderson or add the James Cook, see what happens on Thursday, and then you can actually drop them. As long as they're not in your starting lineup, you can drop them on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So you can kind of get a free look and a free handcuff look at those players and then drop them, get your kicker back. That's a move I like to do. Yeah, always good ways to use a little roster manipulation. It's part of the game. It's gamemanship here, Coops. I'm totally on board with rocking something like that. Let's kick it over to Sunday games. The first game on slate that we're looking at here, we have the New Orleans Saints on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta getting just five and a half points here, or over under a 42 and a half. Coop, and we're looking at the start sits. Who are we arguing here? Bro, so this is the, I'm glad this is back to back with that first game because this is the exact opposite. We're talking 42 and a half over under versus 52 and a half for that Thursday game. This game is going to be one of the lowest scoring games. They're telling us this isn't going to be that good of a game. And it's the Saints. For one team, we're expecting this to probably be low scoring. Yeah, but even 42 and a half, sometimes these blowout games, at least when one guy's a favorite, it's still 45 or 48. 42 and a half is kind of a slogger. But still, in this game, if you drafted Alvin Kamara, you're definitely starting. If you drafted Kyle Pitts, you're definitely starting him. That might be the extent of the players that are definite starts. You're going to obviously take a look at Michael Thomas, Drake London. We have to see what his health is like. We actually had the one of the beat writers for the Falcons on, on our show, on the morning show on the Better Sports Network, and he told us that they are pushing for him to play. If he can even remotely play, then he's going to play. Like They're not looking at it and saying, oh, if his knee is banged up at all, we're, we're going to be cautious. They, this, they're looking to win games from what he understands about Arthur Smith. So if he is active, then, and you drafted him to be your wide receiver two or wide receiver three, you got to put him in there like that. Now, as far as the answers we're going to get or questions you have, John, is there anything that you're looking for specifically? Guys, you're stashing on the bench to see what kind of things pop in week one here? Yeah, you said that it was Pitts and Kamara were definite starts. I think Michael Thomas is a definite start here. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Assuming, again, his hamstring's good to go. You're for sure starting him in this matchup. I think that's going to be a lock for a lot of people. Again, we're looking for early indications, right? Is Michael Thomas the guy that had 17 1,500 yards two years ago, or is he the guy that has played seven games since two years ago? So that's the big question we have to figure out. Also, the running back situation in Atlanta, right? Tyler Algier, Damian Williams, Corderell Patterson. If Drake London doesn't play, you have to assume that Corderell Patterson likely sees more of a wide receiver role. 
and Damian Williams can take on some more of that rushing attack. If Drake London does play, they go back to likely using a split rotation there with Patterson as the lead back at times, Damian Williams being the backup, Algier in the mix. So I want to see how that Falcons running back situation plays out. Plus, the Mariota questions all offseason. How does he look as a starting quarterback? Uh, and Kyle Pitts. I've been a little bit bearish on Kyle Pitts, knowing that I don't really have much faith in Mariota, not having started games in two years. A lot of people drafted him highly. They think this is a breakout year for Pitts. So I want to see how much, how many targets does Pitts get, right? If he's yeah. going to be a, a target monster this year, then it probably doesn't matter how bad the quarterback play is. Yeah, that B-rate. So it's Daryl Orlando Ledbetter that came on our show. He poured a lot of cold water on some of the hype for the Falcons. He likes Pitts. He likes Drake London. Guys he doesn't necessarily think are going to be fantasy relevant. We asked him, and he was willing to talk fantasy with us. He was like, pump the brakes a little bit on Tyler Algier. He's third on the depth chart. It's probably going to be Patterson and it's probably going to be Patterson and Damian Williams. Then he came out and said that we're like, okay, after Pitts in London, is there any wide receiver you think could be relevant or consistent? He did not. He was not super high on any of those other guys, Brian Edwards or Alameda Zacchaeus. He actually even said that Kaderil Hodge is probably going to be out there running a lot of like the underneath routes that Marietta likes throwing. And I was just like, oh, man, this is not good for fantasy football. And then he came around and also said that he's just not sure that Desmond Ritter is even close to being a guy that you could start a quarterback. And it's really all about Mariota. So he poured some water on the Desmond Ritter hype too there. But it's good to have people like that around that are close to the team. Like this guy literally was like, I just talked to Arthur Smith yesterday. I'm like, okay, okay. I believe you. You know what I mean? Like he's talking to Arthur Smith like himself. Hey, Mariota can be a good DFS play then. That rushing upside if that ends up being where you're at. All right, next matchup, mm-hmm. an interesting one for you and I because we actually have both of these quarterbacks on our uh, was an FFWC team. The Chicago, San Francisco 49ers going into Chicago Bears. The Bears are six and a half point home underdogs, 41 and a half game total on this one. Coop, man, how are we looking at this matchup? Yeah, 41 and a half, not good, dude. This could very well, people are excited for this matchup and rightly so because it's mobile quarterbacks, but you got to remember like Fields has very limited playtime lance of course played not only limited last year with the broken finger but he played limitedly in college he only had 400 attempts and he played for a d he wasn't even the highest level of division one this could very well be a couple of offenses run by inexperienced quarterbacks and it looks pretty sloppy that's why the over under is 41 and a half it's really all about it's all about seeing what these guys can do and how much they're running if you drafted trey lance i was Telling people, if you draft Trey Lance, draft a second guy like Derek Carr or someone you can trust. Kirk Cousins, one, but, Derek Carr, the automatic yeah. Lance combo picks. But most people, are a lot of people out there just said, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going Lance week one. If you're doing that, God bless you. Just be careful. But, you know, as far as must start guys, you're starting Kittle. You're starting Debo if you drafted him. You're starting Elijah Mitchell if you drafted him. You're starting David Montgomery if you drafted him. Unless this is a shallow-ish league. If you draft, if you paid the price for David Montgomery or Elijah Mitchell, you needed them as your RB two or you needed them as your flex. Right. So I think that most of the people that started those guys are doing so to start those guys, and Komet is also there. So it's very interesting that this is not a good matchup yet. There's quite a few very fantasy relevant people here. I think on the bubble, and you're starting Darnell Mooney too, really. Yeah, yeah. I was going to so, say uh, you're leaving out Mooney. You're wide receiver one. 140 one targets. Game. Yeah, I got him wide receiver yeah. one as an auction. Am I happy about it? No, but in auction drafts, you build the team you want. I got the running backs I wanted. I had no money left. I just kind of spent down at wide receiver. But listen, yeah. Mooney, uh, as bad as Lance as Fields was last year throwing the football, 
He had a really good year. So I've been a little bit bullish on fields. I think this offense could be a little bit better under new coaching. Offensive line still a nightmare though. That's the biggest problem. The things to look at, obviously the storylines, Lance versus Fields, both quarterbacks were drafted last year similar trajectory similar skill sets mobile quarterbacks big arms see how they can develop in year two commit versus kittle i know you're a huge cole commit guy a lot of people are looking for commit to take that leap kittle inconsistencies injuries have been a problem with him but we know he can be one of the best tight ends in football when given the opportunity and then the bears running back situation you mentioned having to start david montgomery there was so much conversation during the offseason, though, about they want to get Khalil Herbert involved. They're going to maybe use him in different situations. What does that look like for David Montgomery? Because he was a monster last season. It's weird to think that they would kind of side with Herbert in, in these spots, but I want to see how that ends up looking as that game goes on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We it's a new it's a new coach. They're going to run a ton with Fields. So if there's any sort of split between those those running backs, you could be it could be a rough situation. Could be a rough so, situation. I agree. Uh, I think the best thing for fantasy is if Monty is a starter and Herbert's the backup like we saw previously. So yeah. definitely keep an eye on that. It could get ugly. And then of course the one real bubble player in terms of starting or not starting is Brandon Ayuk. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how much that's going to come down to volume. Whether they he, that. Lance can support all three players. Jimmy G kind of did, but not really all at the same time. Kittle was hurt at times. Ayuk was hurt at times. Debo. So it's it could get rough over there. Yep, I agree with you a big time on that one. All right, next matchup, Pittsburgh Steelers going into Cincinnati. The Bengals are six and a half point home favorites. 44 and a half game total here. Should be pretty straightforward, Coop, right? And where we're going to this matchup. Yeah. So in this one, we're, we're leaning pretty hard into the Bengals. And this is one that you kind of, the type matchup you kind of alluded to where it's going to be one side, right? Six and a half point favorites for Cincy. I'm surprised it's not higher, honestly. Yeah, this Six feels a like a 32-14 game or something like that in that yeah. range to me. But uh, I agree with you. I'm surprised it's less than a touchdown. Those divisional games sometimes can end up that way. But Cincy blew up Pittsburgh last year, both their meetings, so. Yeah. And here's the reality for the Steelers. And this is why this first game is going to be so important for fantasy gamers is that it's very rare for a team to have three pass catching players that are all getting 100 targets. And 100 targets is really the barrier to entry you need to be a wide receiver two or a high end player. When you have a running back that's part of that mix, like Najee Harris, they're not going to have three pass catching wide receivers or tight ends that are fantasy relevant. It's just it. It's going to be difficult for that to happen, given Najee's pass-catching prowess. So we think Deontay Johnson is going to be the top dog. It'll be very interesting to see how the targets shape up behind that, whether Fryermuth is getting enough to be relevant. Claypool is in the mix. George Pickens has flashed all offseason. People like him. There's four guys there, and there's probably about room for two that you can reliably start in your fantasy team. So... We're going to get a lot of answers here. And if Fryermuth isn't out there running higher ADOT routes or getting targeted heavily, you're going to need to pivot pretty quickly because this is a new quarterback, a new offense. Matt Cannon is going to be running RPOs, and you don't have time to start a guy that's only going to get three or four targets every week for the first five weeks. Like You need to make moves quickly if it's not going your way. Yeah. I agree with you. Storylines for me, again, is just figuring out the quarterback situation with Pittsburgh. We know that Trubisky is starting as of today. We're recording here on Tuesday. Tomlin came out. That's how I figured it. I've talked about it all offseason. I was actually even willing to give Trubisky a little bit of the benefit of the doubt as well. It was such a mess under Nagy in Chicago. He spent a year behind Josh Allen, Dayball, and Buffalo. Now into another really set organization with their philosophies, their coaching styles in Pittsburgh. And I put him in a position to maybe succeed. 
Uh, and then George Pickens. He made some big plays during the preseason, really looked good in preseason games. That wide receiving group is obviously Deontay Johnson, but then it feels like there's really some openness there after that. Like, we like Claypool. He's been playing big slot, which I know that you like generally at a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Claypool is... He's not your typical slot receiver. The guy's a monster. Right. And then Pickens on the outside, we saw him just make some man plays. So I'm going to be very curious to see how that lays out. Cincinnati, we know where the ball's going. We know who those guys are. Maybe the only situation to watch is who's the third down back. Is it Evans? Is it P. Ryan? Is it Mixon? Right. We'll figure it mm-hmm. out uh, as the season goes on. But that's all I got for that game, Coop. That's great. Yeah, like that. The, those we love those offenses, the highly consolidated offenses, like the Rams. Like you're starting Chase, you're starting Higgins, you're starting Mixon, you're not starting Hurst, right. you're starting Burrow, and then T. Tyler Boyd, of course, is situational. If it's a full PPR league with three wide receivers and multiple flexes, then Tyler Boyd probably gonna be in your lineup. Every yeah, week. nothing wrong if with it, seventy for eight fifty. Let me tell you that. Right. <laughs> like, if it, is your if fifth it's, wide receiver, you know? Exactly. If it's a two wide receiver league, that's maybe half PPR then you're not going to start Tyler Boyd. So just know your format and know whether guys like that matter or not. Yep. Next matchup here. This is the one when I went through this list, Scoop, shocked me. We have the Philadelphia Eagles going into Detroit. Detroit is only getting three and a half points as a home underdog here, 40 and a half total. The way the hype has been around Philadelphia and this Philadelphia Eagles team rather, and then for Detroit to only be getting three and a half, I feel is a question. One of the, we talk about all the time, like something that makes you pause, like what's, mm. what's going on here? Why does that seem a little off? So that's the matchup. 40 and a half game total is nice. It's like the third highest total on the main slate. If you're playing DFS this week. And we, we kind of, again, a situation where I feel like we know where we're going to be playing guys in this matchup. Yeah. The rule of thumb is always that you get three points at home. I think there needs to be a new rule of thumb for week one, which is you get two points if you were on hard knocks. Like, like I that's just what I'm I, saying. is this a hard knocks bump here? Like I very well might be. It really doesn't make any sense to me. I think that it should be six and a half. It should be because like the Lions, if you look at their season long over under, which vague, which hard knocks and stuff like that really doesn't have an effect on because those lines are over a bigger period. It's harder, harder to move those lines the way week one football does. Like the Lions are set to be one of the worst teams in the league. Once again, they have one of the worst defenses in the league. Like their defense is bad. Whatever you think about, yeah. And their quarterback's not good either. So it's like, talk about the most important aspects of the game. So not the Eagles improve their defense and their offense. So anyways, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think you might want to fade fade the public on that, man. But yeah, this game, it's got, you're starting Swift. If you drafted on Ross St. Brown where you needed to draft him, you're probably starting him in your leagues. We've well documented on our thoughts on that player. And Howard. Good luck on Slay Island as he has some revenge game here against Detroit. Right. Then, yeah, just pump the brakes a little bit there. And then on the Eagles side, you're definitely starting Jalen. You're definitely starting A.J. Brown. If you drafted Dallas Goddard where he's going, you're starting him, especially against the Lions. And then Devonta, Devonta Smith probably. Same as the Boyd analysis there. If you're in a multi-flex yeah. or three wide receiver league, yep. Smith yep. starting. And then D.J. Chark is a guy you stash on the bench just to see if, what if Amon Ross St. Brown was just the one-eyed king in the land of the blind last year, and D.J. Chark is actually the best wide receiver on the team. He got $10 million, and Juju Smith-Schuster got like 3.75. I know the both- best wide receiver on the team is T.J. Hawkinson. Could very well be. It could very well be the case. The best wide receiver on the team is probably sitting on the pup list That's right true. now. That's true. That's true. Williams. So, yeah. And just a heads up to anybody out there, I did this in a highly competitive league that I've been playing for 20 years. I just did this and had no problem doing it. I went waivers cleared the other night. I went in and grabbed Jamison Williams and I, I picked him up, moved him into an IR spot, and then I went and picked back up the player I dropped. 
So if J- right now, Jameson Williams should not be sitting on waivers in any league that has an IR spot. Go get him, put him in your IR spot, and then put somebody else back on your roster. It's free. He's free real estate. So don't the let that these happen. These guys are any- coming back from torn ACLs this year. Like technology is just oh, crazy, right? Like we expected guys that are playing Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, guys who tore their ACL. We thought we we're going to be out for the year. And now they're ready for week one. So I know Williams tore his ACL in the national championship game. So he's had a much shorter time window, but I'm seeing that he could only miss the four weeks. They have a buy in week six. My projection is he's back after their buy. That's what I'm saying. And before the draft for the dynasty takes, we're doing dynasty takes. I go, okay, Jameson Williams was the best wide receiver in college and it wasn't that close. So if a team is willing to draft him, then I'm willing to draft him in my dynasty teams. And then the Lions traded up and took him at 12 overall. And we're talking five, four or five months after he tore his ACL. He already had surgery. We already had the recovery timeline. The doctors, the best doctors in the world already weighed in on it. So for me, how am I supposed to sit here and say, oh, what about the knee? Like the... A lot of people got their jobs riding on this player. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here in my fantasy football chair and say, I don't know if I trust it. I trust it. I agree with you there. So things I'm looking for here, obviously I want to see the Hurts-Brown combo. I've been touting Jalen Hurts forever. All offseason, he's been my guy. I don't plant many flags, Coop. I planted don't. my flag with Jalen Hurts this season. In the A.J. Brown acquisition, I felt like it was just going to give him and elevate that offense. Lions target share. Again, I want to see where it goes. Is Amon Ross St. Brown the target hog he was at the end of last year or is now having a healthy Swift, Shark, and Hawkinson in the mix. You get the eye of Goff instead of St. Brown. And then the Eagles running back situation. Does Miles Sanders play? Where does Ken McCann will fill in? Where does Boston Scott fit in? Does Trey Sermon suit up? Like, where does the Eagles running back situation? So those are things that I'm looking for when it comes to that matchup. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles running back situation is going to be huge because there's a lot of upside there. They have a really good line. They always do. And a lot of those players are back. And the RPO from Jalen Hurts really helps that run game. And then on the Lions side... Last year, what you saw with just the dump downs to Hawk and Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, they're not going to do that again. They won. They only won three games doing that. They went out and got DJ Chark and Jameis Williams for a reason. They need to get the ball downfield. So if you're expecting exactly what we saw last year, that would be insanity yeah. because they were they brought in two guys to do that last year tyron williams and our paraman and neither of them made it out of week one yeah, so they, they didn't play yeah. they let kenny galladay and marvin jones leave for comp picks the guys they brought in did not get it done they brought in new guys in the first round and 10 million guaranteed <laughs> yeah. so if dj chark doesn't pan out this year all that means is they need a new split end like i'm on ross St. brown's not a split end neither is james williams that's how rebuilds work and that's what concerns me for the long term for Amon Ross St. Brown. And in the short term, he'll probably be fine. Yep. All right. New England, Miami. Obviously, you and I have this one close to heart being Patriots fans, knowing and going into Miami. Dolphins just two and a half point favorites here at home, 45 and a half game total. I'm not too high up on our New England Patriots here, given the way that preseason look, Coop. Nah, man. It's hard to be. And when I go look at all the teams that have eight and a half over unders for season long wins, I can't rightly pick the Patriots over the Dolphins. I can't pick them over a bunch of teams that are in that range. So, Patriots could have a rough go. That said, there's something to be said about a team that can run the ball and has a pretty decent defense. So you can't really ever rule them out either. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. On Miami side, you're obviously playing Waddle. You're obviously playing Tyreek Hill. Chase Edmonds, you're going to play. After that, it's up in the air. I think for New England, the only ones you're for sure playing, I'm guessing is going to be Hunter Henry, assuming you start drafting him as your tight end one. Yeah. How do you handle the Patriots running back situation? From everything we've heard, it seems like Ramondre Stevenson could very well be that guy sooner, if not now. 
Yeah, so the situation is it's pretty much always been a split backfield, right? Ty Montgomery was kind of in the lead for that James White role. And we're talking about Ty Montgomery as a guy that was a wide receiver in college, had 172 receptions in college, 2,000 yards. Like, this guy is no joke. He was, yeah. He he was drafted as a wide receiver, and they basically had so many injuries. They were like, can you play running back for us? And then Aaron Jones broke out, so he kind of became irrelevant. But that's how he got converted to an RB in the first place. But he is a good pass catcher. There's been rumors that Ramondre Stevenson could have that role. This is how I think it's going to break out, and it's probably not going to be what fantasy gamers want to hear. I think Damian Harris is going to be the starting running back. He's probably not going to factor in much in the pass game, and his value is going to be tied directly to touchdowns like it was last year. He had 15 touchdowns. In full PPR, he wasn't even an RB1. In half PPR, he was an RB, he was an RB1. He was RB8. So in that format, you're starting Damian Harris. I think that if he's healthy, Tom Montgomery is probably going to be that pass-catching back role you know james white was getting sick he got six targets and six receptions in both the first two games but he's also james white james white was awesome ty montgomery might not be that type of guy uh Ramondre stevenson could just fall into the role that was previously o- occupied by guys like Dion lewis and rex burkhead where he's the guy that spells damian harris and is the first backup for damian harris and he's the guy that's the first backup for the pass catching role where if anyone gets hurt that's how it used to work. If somebody missed a game, Rex Burkhead would fill in for Sony Michelle. And if James White missed a game, Rex Burkhead would fill in for James White. He knew both the roles. And that's why I think Ramondre Stevenson is working on his pass catching so he can be that guy that's there for both roles. His The problem is, unless somebody gets hurt, there's going to be a incons- inconsistency issues week to week. He's going to have big plays. He's going to score touchdowns. The question is when. So it scares me just the way it's set up. You know what I mean, John? Yep, I agree with you 100%. So that's obviously the questions with that Patriots situation. The wide receivers have just as many questions. Kobe Myers, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. Like, how does that all work out? For me, I think the biggest one, again, has been, the, is it going to be Hill or Waddle? How does Tua mm-hmm. work? Waddle had a fantastic rookie season with Tua at quarterback. They go out and get Tyreek Hill in that offense now. And does Tua profile as a guy that throws downfield? Not really. I want to see how those two play out in this matchup. Might not even be a great indicator after week one, depending on New England plays their defense. But something to see. I want to know how Tua looks for that matchup. So yeah, um, Tua could be Tua could be a like when you talk about guys that could be huge waiver ads, like guys that get fab thrown at them. Dude, if Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is Jalen Waddle, that means that Tua is good. Yep. And Mike Gesicki, if he if there's a very real chance that they come out and this Dolphins offense is the Mike McDaniel offense that is flying around. Yep. So just keep an eye on that. They, he could be a guy where you're like, I need to add him right now. Yep. Watch, watch where you most are in this game, in this matchup as well. I've been touting him yeah. a little bit of late, good late round flyer. Now Sony Michelle isn't, there's a good chance. Chase Edmonds has never been a red zone guy. He has a uh, 30 red zone carries in his career or something like that. So most could easily fill that role. Brand um, new offense. It's a brand new offense. Yep. Yep, Baltimore Ravens go into New York, face the Jets, are six and a half point home underdogs. It feels like this is the way the Lions should have been. 44 and a half game total for this one. Coop, some certain questions here on the Baltimore side when it comes to their running back situation. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy right now because not every injury is the same. Gus Edwards ended up on the pup list. J.K. Dobbins hasn't really been playing, but he's been sending cryptic tweets about how he and the Lord have figured out a way for him to get healthy and be ready. But at the same time, they went out and signed Kenyon Drake. So you have to see how it shakes out early on. Can you? They cut Tyler Beatty in favor of Kenyon Drake. So they must have not had super high, high feelings for Tyler Beatty. And Kenyon Drake could come in and get a decent amount of work right away. So somebody could be early, a guy you use early on. And if you're a zero RB guy, 
then that's what you're looking for. You're looking for two things. The long-term, you want to balance long-term upside with guys you can start in the short term. If Kenyon Drake becomes a guy you can start right away, that solves a lot of your zero RB problems that you have to start super early. You need those Rex Burkheads and Naeem Hineses to get you through to finding until you can find your breakout guys. The zero RB strategy, the draft is just the beginning. And it, it sounds like giving yourself homework, but when it works and you do hit on the running backs, that means you drafted only stud wide receivers and then you just pulled a running back rabbit out of the hat. That's why in theory, it is a strategy that is crazy upside. So Kenyon Drake could be a guy that feels right into that situation. Now, John, what are your thoughts about the Ravens pass catchers? And if Isaiah likely could potentially sneak up in there, I've been hearing a lot of smoke about it. Likely is a guy that's local to here. I'm not sure if you Yeah, no, he played for the Everett Tide, right? So those who are Massachusetts high school football savants know that Everett's had a one of the best high school football programs in the state for a very long time. I'm glad you didn't give me the is likely to be the number three. (laughs) Seen that headline far too many times already. Enough. This offense isn't throw enough for that to matter. It's a two-man show. It's Bateman and it's Andrews. So I don't know. I'm not really worried about a a number two, a number three target guy in this offense personally. So sure. If likely finds a way on the field and gets a handful of targets, Sure, like he'll maybe have a game here or there, but I don't really think that they we're going to find themselves with him being a must own at some point, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know if this is even the matchup that's going to bring that out either. The Jets, we don't really know yet if Zach Wilson's going to be good to go. Salah says they're, they're hopeful he might be able to suit up. Other than that, like this offense itself has a lot of questions. Wide receivers, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, how do they look? Running backs, is Michael Carter really starting over Brees Hall? Is Brees Hall going to be a three down back where's michael carter's involvement do they throw to him like we hope they do a lot of questions here for uh, for the jets I've, i'm fully prepared for Corey davis to play like 95 percent of the snaps and just rug pull everybody and not even the good not even like goods like fantasy work stats like he's just out there every play as like a big blocking split end and it just means that it kind of dilutes the value of everybody i think that's a very real possibility that this team comes out wanting to run the ball and they have two tight ends and Corey davis out there and then they kind of rotate in elijah moore and garrett wilson as they go and braxton barrios like not every offense is one that just not every offense is the bengals and just uses the same 11 guys every play this team with all the fullback they got they have fullbacks they have two tight ends now they could be they look they could look a lot more like the ravens than they do a team that is just giving you multiple highly relevant assets that's the scary part about the jets that you have to Keep an eye on if I if you're owning any of those Jets wide receivers, which one do you want the most, John? Elijah Moore, Raleigh? Yeah, Elijah Moore. The way he finished last year, it was solid. Listen, Wilson, obviously first round pick, a lot of talent there. Just the rookie wide receivers. This doesn't seem like the situation where he would break out. So we've been wrong before, obviously. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, that's the thing. There's room for one guy to play every. If it is the Ravens, there's room for one wide receiver. If the Jets, if the Jets end up being like the Ravens offense, there's room for one wide receiver to play every snap. Because even with the Baltimore offense, with Isaiah Likely and Nick Boyle and Patrick Ricard mixing in, you still got Marquise Brown playing every snap. So Rashad Bateman, I still like, and I think the Ravens have room for one guy. So that's more of a, to me, it's more of a warning for Garrett Wilson hype hype folks than it is for Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore, he could potentially have a large snap share. Yep. Next match, we have Jacksonville Jaguars going into the Washington Commanders are given three and a half, 43 and a half game total here. Two teams, I think, looking to go in the same direction. Jacksonville really 
can only go up. Washington sort of a little bit in flux, but now Carson Wentz is there at their quarterback. Thoughts on this spot? Some of these games, I feel like they were like the schedule, the almighty schedule makers went through and they were like, yeah, we'll give them Bengal, we'll give them Buffalo Rams, and then we'll give them a couple division matchups. And then they probably thought to themselves, somewhere in the schedule, we have to schedule a Commanders versus Jaguars game. Where can we sneak that one in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, one o'clock on the first Sunday. Like this game is hard to get super excited about it. I'm excited about every game, but it's not going to be a super i think at the end of the day we're not going to look back and be like oh man if that jags washington game just went the other way this would have been a totally different landscape you know what i mean yeah but uh, so for me i'm looking at jags target distribution evan ingram's a guy i'm rooting for but i'm a man of science my hypothesis is that evan ingram can be a top two target on the team whoever it is i want him so if it comes out and it's marvin jones i want him if it's christian kirk i want him if zay jones gets nine targets i want him you know what I mean? There's targets to be had. And Trevor Lawrence has the arm talent to deliver the football. So we're going to get a lot of answers there. And then in the running game, we could get some questions there. What are you thinking on this one now that we know that James Robinson is probably going to play, John? Yeah, listen, I think the question here is, and my biggest issue with ATN all offseason has been the way they talk about him. And it's the way to describe him is that he can do so many things. And that's great. But does he have a defined role? Are we just designing plays for him to get the football? He looked decent in a couple preseason games that I saw him on. He can clearly run the football. We saw that in college. He can catch the football. But if their idea of Travis Etienne is a gadget guy, who they're just going to mix and match in certain situations, to me, that means inconsistency. That Scary. means there's no actual role for him. Robinson's going to be your early down guy. Great. I know that means he's going to get the football potentially mm-hmm. first and second down. ATN might be on the field split out at that point, but that doesn't guarantee him touches. I want a guy that's in a role consistently where I can be like, all right, when he's on the field, there's an opportunity for him to get a touch. And I don't know what that means for Travis ATN, the way they describe his usage. I could be completely wrong, but you're betting on a guy at this point, you've already drafted him. You need him on the field as right. much as possible. If Travis ATN, it's just funny in this, the way that we look at things, from a, and I actually tweeted about this recently. I said, analytical, hypothetical, best case upside is great and all, but my league still uses fantasy points to decide who wins. So for me, we some people look at it, and I'm like, oh, Travis Etienne could be in a Tony Pollard role. And like all the Tony Pollard fans are like, yeah, that sounds good. But in reality, Tony yeah. Pollard has not been a dude you could start. No, it took Tony Pollard a PCL injury to Zeke to finally crack 10 fantasy points per game in PPR last year. Yeah, he's just not a guy you can lean on. So if that is what his role is, it's, if he's Curtis Samuel, Pollard, Tavon Austin, then that's a little scary. And I look at this matchup in general, and there's really only one, maybe two must-start players. Like, you're starting Terry McLaurin yep. if you have him, right? And then next closest is probably Antonio Etienne or Antonio Gibson. Like, there's not a lot of must-start I think we start here. Kirk. I think Kirk is a start. Yeah, yeah, if you draft. But even then, I, I have spots where I have Kirk and he's my fourth or fifth wide well, receiver. Yeah, it depends, and, obviously, on how you constructed yeah. your roster. But, you know, they paid him a lot of money. He's a clear wide receiver one on that team. So I think you're starting Kirk. He's probably your wide receiver three, depending, again, how you build your team. So Yeah, most of um, your drafts are done by now. So we're done compare. Like, right now, I'm done comparing stuff to ADP. Right. Like, I, I look at that offense, and I don't care if Zay Jones went in the 18th round and Christian Kirk went in the 11th. I don't care anymore. And same with this other Washington offense. Like after Terry McLaurin, John, 
Now, ADP out the window. Yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think is going to be the next best pass catcher? We got Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas uh, is the most appealing to me because they don't have a tight end really outside of him. I, I know no disrespect. It was it Bates last year who filled John in and, and looked yeah. okay at times, but. You know, the fact that Logan Thomas is cleared and kind of good to go, he had that breakout year two years ago. We know Carson Wentz is a guy that is is prone to liking the third of his tight ends. Obviously, Ertz and, and Goddard are someone that had his eye. Thomas could fill that role. It could be the number two. I like Dotson a lot. He's a rookie, though, right? There's a lot yeah. of uncertainty there. So if Thomas is on the field and not limited at all, I think he could be the number two target guy on that offense. Yeah, I mean, But where you drafted John- him, you're likely not – He's not your tight end one. You don't have to start him. You took him, you took Komet, and then with your second to last pick, you drafted Logan Thomas or something like that. Yep, exactly. And if I have Logan Thomas, I'm not starting him, even if he's playing. I'm just, it's not a, it's a low upside play because he's not going to get the 100% snap share regardless. You know what I mean? So don't use him in DFS, but stash him. You know what I mean? Uh, And in terms of the, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Commanders running backs, you think? Yeah, in terms of the commanders running backs, like I'm, if JD McKissick is getting, the, if he's the J.D. McKissick we've seen the last two years, then he's a valuable piece in PPR. So so we'll, we're going to have the snap count article and all that stuff, but just keep an eye out to see what kind of snaps he's playing. Hopefully we see a two-minute drill. If he's out there for that, go and scoop him up in full PPR. Yep, I agree with you 100%. Next matchup here, juicy one. NFL schedule makers had to have loved the way this offseason played out. Cleveland Browns going into Carolina, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Just a 41-and-a-half game total here, but of course – Baker Mayfield starting for Carolina against the team that casted him off this offseason. So a lot of obvious storylines to go in this one. Yeah, the schedule makers, man, I it's it almost makes you think it's WWE. Wait till uh, you get, WWE. To, we get to the Monday Night Football game. We'll touch on it in a moment. but it's There's one that we actually kind of glossed over, but they kind of got another backdoor revenge game with Joe Flacco going. Joe Flacco starting for the Jets against yeah. the Ravens. It's like, nice. A little extra narrative never hurts. If you're if you're Chris Collinsworth, right, like that's... You could talk about that for 15 yeah, it's a minutes. Whole segment. The, game. the whole segment. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just your job's being done for you. Same with the yeah, like you said, Cleveland, Carolina, beautiful Baker revenge game. So for me, you're starting Christian McCaffrey. You're starting DJ Moore. You're stapling DJ Moore into your wide receiver two slot and just leaving him there yeah. for the whole season. That's why you drafted him. You just never take him out and unless something catastrophic happens. Like that's the beauty of a player like that, right? Like people yeah. care so much about upside. Now that he's on your roster, he's in your lineup forever. And it's great. In Dynasty, you could do that for the next five years, yeah. probably. You say you throw ADP out the window, but you also didn't draft DJ Moore in the third or fourth round and not play him. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. On the Cleveland side, you're starting Nick Chubb. And beyond that, there's no must-starts, man. There really isn't. <laughs> right. Amari Cooper is... Yeah, but uh, what, is a, what is the best we've seen out of a Jacoby Brett Brissett offense, right? I have a hard time finding... I Listen, I know like Waddle last year had some good games with Brissett, but... You know, Cooper is going to be a product of production just because who else? They're going to throw the ball 25 times. Cooper's going to get eight, nine of those targets because I don't know who else they're going to throw the football to. And then they're just going to run. It's going to be a run balance of Hunt and Chubb, obviously the lead guy. I think you play Kareem Hunt if you have him on your roster, but he's likely a flex guy for you. Half point PPR. The one frustrating thing is someone who had played, who had rostered Chubb in the past, is that they're not afraid to give Kareem Hunt like high volume carries in like high scoring areas rather like when they get in the red zone like they have formations out there where hunts on the field and he's just as capable of running in the end zone as nick chubb and he vultures scores or vultures big play so 
I think obviously in your flex, you have Hunt. I'm okay with it. Nick Chubb, you got to play because they're just they're going to try to run the ball as much as they can. They're in survival mode for the five, first 11 weeks of the season. They're hoping that maybe they're around 500 and then Watson comes back and they get a wild card spot or something. And that's why we preach roster con- construction so much is that you, by, you should know whether you need to start Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt or not. Like you should know based on where you drafted and where you drafted him and how you built your team, whether you need to start him. Like the teams I have, Kareem Hunt, I know for sure I need to start him or not. If you drafted your team in a way that you've given yourself a start sit question for week one, then I feel like you might not have been paying enough attention to your build. If you were doing a hero RB situation and you have Kareem Hunt, then he's going to be your RB2 100% in your lineup, right? If you sat there and drafted a Kareem Hunt, knowing that you had guys hurt or whatever, then you know you got to start them. Like it's where if you drafted Kareem Hunt, a bunch of Kareem Hunt level players, then you probably didn't give yourself enough shot at upside. If you're sitting there being like, do I start Kareem Hunt or do I start Jarvis Landry? That's why the build right. is so, so important. The, the like, teams pe- where I have similar builds like that, I did the hero RB first round, Gotland McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Ross and Eckler. I went wide receiver heavy. And then I just took Chase Edmonds and Chase Edmonds is my RB too on a, a handful of PPR leagues. Hunt sort of fits that same build yeah. a little bit. So You should know, look at your lineup and you should know, if you look at your lineup and you're unsure if you should start Cream Hunt or not, you got to reevaluate the way you're drafting because you shouldn't be giving yourself headaches like that in week one. You should either have be starting the safe guy in Cream Hunt or whatever upside guy you took. Yep, and I, I usually go upside guy. Yeah, so the other thing I just want to mention briefly, make sure David Njoku is a stash. I could see a lot of those plays where Jacoby versus like play action. He doesn't waggle. And then they have David and Joku doing a matching drag across the field. If they're running that all day and it's working, David and Joku can rack up the targets and he's got the physical profile to, to make some big plays. We've seen him do it. So David and Joku is a guy that he, I'm not necessarily starting him. I'm stashing him. Maybe a DFS Chuck, depending on the price. I agree. Next matchup that we got going on here, we have the Indianapolis Colts versus the Houston Texans. Again, I feel like this one's a little, to me, I think this one's a little bit straightforward. Coop, any any guys that you have here that you think maybe are some questions about who you should be starting? My first thought when I look at this game is, if you're in a survivor pool, this is probably the play, right? Um, yeah, probably early on targeting Houston. Houston at home, though, in a survivor pool with the Houston upset. Who was it a couple years ago with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback? Right? Oh, yeah, so, that's right. But seven and a half. This is the biggest spread, I think, of any game so far. From what yeah. I've seen some place. Some books have it at eight on the road, eight yep. on the road, which means it would be 11 at a neutral site. Yeah, I feel good about it. We'll hit on any other ones that we think are our picks for a survivor pool. I think maybe... Cincy with Pitt come to town. Yeah, that's probably a good, good one. Survivor pool pit. Yeah, yeah, Adam Ronitz will have the Survivor Pool article out at the end of the week. So if you're on Fantasy oh, yeah. Farm, make sure you check that out. We did a really good job for it last year. Obviously, Ronitz a big time player. So be on the, be on the lookout for the Survivor Pool article there. Right. But I'm with you. I think Colts play, Cincy plays, teams that we've looked at already. Uh, when sure. it comes to who we're starting here, though, right? Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, for sure. And Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Naeem Hines is going to fall into that same Kareem Hunt sort of conversation, I think. Except if you waited that long, Hines is probably just your flex play in a pull, full PPR. But more of a depth handcuff, I think, in that situation, not a core start. Houston, outside of Brandon Cooks, I don't know if there's, and I guess Damian Pierce now, but there's probably not a must start on that roster. I don't even think Damian Pierce is must start. Your people were drafting him, though. They're starting him as their RB2. You're outside of your mind if you were reaching for his current value. I just, I, he was getting too high for me, but I guess, yeah, if you did start, pick him as your RB2. You got to start him as your RB2. And hey, it could pan out, it could pan out big because he does go in a group of guys where we know the ceiling. We, there's an unknown upside luster for a guy like that. But just remember, this Texans team across the board 
is projected to be the worst team in the league. So the the ceiling for a guy like that, not super high. And also they do have a pretty decent pass catching back with Rex Burkhead. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I'm interested. Obviously, the Colts are easy in terms of your starting Jonathan Taylor and Pittman. I'm interested in stashing and keeping an eye on Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, one of those two guys. Top two target after Brandon Cooks could be nice. We want to see what kind of routes Brevin Jordan's running. We want to make sure he's on the field every snap and not splitting with Farrell Brown. That would be a nightmare. And then on the flip side, Alec Pierce. You've been hearing good things about Pierce, John? Yeah, Pierce. I know Adam Ronis has been very high on Paris Campbell. It's just how healthy can Paris Campbell stay? If Campbell yeah. is able to actually get on the field, we know he has all of the skill sets to be a productive NFL wide receiver. He's likely a free agent in your league right now. So if after week one, he'll be available on waivers. I think another interesting maybe move that was made over the after the waiver, sorry, after the roster cutdowns was Tyler Johnson got signed by the Texans and Chris Conley got cut. So Tyler Johnson might be the starting slot receiver for Houston here going into week one. Yeah, I mean, that that is something for deeper leagues that that's a dynasty discussion to me. But he did get he did. That was a loaded team over in Tampa Bay. So cast offs from teams like that. can And, certainly and find with Tom homes. Brady, if you make a mistake, you go to the sidelines with Houston. Mm-hmm. You're running the wrong route. You're you're probably still going out there for the next play. So I agree. If you look at his player profile stuff, nothing really is impressive with Tyler Johnson. He's not overly fast or anything like that. But just the fact that they were willing to sign him and then cut a guy they had on their roster to basically give him the job, I think, is just worth noting. He's going to – a team that doesn't have much other on the offensive side of the football. We expect to be trailing a lot. Johnson could be out there for a lot of snaps playing slots. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Tyler Johnson was highly touted. And Rashad Bateman was his teammate, and Bateman went ahead of him, college teammates. And on the flip side, Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell, both, they both went to Ohio State. Paris Campbell was drafted before Terry McLaurin. So there is a glimmer of upside there that we haven't seen because he's been hurt. Yep. But, you know, certainly inter- there's definitely some things to be sorted out within that game. And then last, I'll just obviously, tight end guy, got to mention, Mo Cox, if he's the full-time guy and Kylan Granson isn't playing at all, could be interesting. If... Colin Granson is playing like a Anthony Ferkshire, Cameron Brait type role to Moe's inline role. They're both probably going to be dust. The only way Granson could have high upside is if he just plays every single snap at slot. And I don't think that happens either. So I think more likely than not, the reality is there's 32 teams and there's only going to be 12 or so fantasy tight ends. One of them is probably not going to be a cold center. Yep. All right, 4 p.m. games here on the East Coast. New York Giants going in to face the Tennessee Titans. Five and a half point home favorites, 43 and a half. Game total here. Biggest story, of course, Henry versus Barkley. Both coming back from injuries, seeing how they look. Yeah, huge game. League changing, really, because Henry's Henry and Barkley's Barkley. This year, you got pretty good values on both of them. I mean, I saw Henry going sometimes towards the back half of the first, and Barkley's going in the second or in the back half of the first. Both those guys are capable of being the best running back in the league. There's no question. Right. For the the Tennessee Titans, man, it's Robert Woods, it's Traylon Burks, it's Austin Hooper. I don't think anybody else is even in the realm of being relevant. And I don't think, I don't think. You're not a Nick Westbrook Akine fan? There's some smoke there. But if guys like that are relevant, or if the guys like that are doing anything, to me, that just means that no one's going to be worth starting. (laughs) You want it to be highly. Burks are not. Yeah, we just, we want it to be two of these guys. Like in an ideal world, Austin Hooper maybe just goes away. 
and it's Robert Woods and Traylon Burks getting all the targets, and then maybe you have two guys. But in reality, you probably just have yeah, one. We want Traylon Burks in the H.A. Brown role. We want Robert Woods in the Corey Dillon role, Corey Davis role. And if Hooper wants to play John o. Smith in that offense, fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's what we want. And then for these Giants, John, who do you like best? It's a mishmash of guys that are hurt constantly. I, 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 mean, and... I think Tony's the most exciting player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just from a pure talent-to-talent standpoint, I think Tony is the best receiver on their team. Galladay, we know what he can be, but it just seems like he's either hurt, checked out, on the outs. I don't know what it is. I'm hopeful that maybe Dayball gets that offense turned around. He becomes a bit more motivated. There could be something there. I think the one thing that we we kind of never touched on this offseason because we just didn't think he was going to be available to play, whenever Sterling Shepard's healthy and on the field, (laughs) he has eyes for the quarterback of the New York Giants. So if he's out there, like he could very well be looking at seven, eight targets again. This is what he is when he's out there. Do we, is this where we need to play like a disclaimer that this is like the most pro Sterling Shepard podcast? Well, that... we much Sterling Shepard fans, but only for good reason. It's because he's a very good football player. The man just cannot, for the life of him, stay healthy. And he's coming back of, from one of the worst injuries to have, right? The, yeah. the torn Achilles. It is Listen just... to these games. Listen to these games. I just, I will let, we'll let the, we'll let the listeners decide for themselves. Yeah. First game last year. 95% snap share, nine targets, 113 yards and a touchdown. Next game, 93% snap share. He gets 10 targets, catches nine of them for 94 yards. Then he gets banged up, comes back, first game back from injury, 91% snap share, 14 targets, catches 10 of them for 76. I'm like, who else can you get in the last pick of your draft that's getting 14 that's targets? Say- that's what I'm saying. He's so good. He's just always hurt. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's always hurt. Man. So listen, he's someone we talk about. Put on your watch list. If in week one he's out there and he gets seven targets, pick him up because him up. that's what he's going to be doing. Yeah. One in of that these, offense. one of these shifty little dudes, Kadarius Tony, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard. One of those dudes has, is going to be have some upside if they can get a full snap share. Kadarius Tony is the one that's most exciting, but. Whoever it is, somebody there could be exciting. Somebody then, tell me how tall Wando Robinson is too, by the way, because I've seen two different websites. One has him at 5'8", one has him at 5'10". If he's 5'10", I'm buying in. If he's 5'8", I don't like him at all, so I don't know. I'll tell you right now, he's not 5'10". He's not 5'10". I don't think he is either, but I've seen it It's the same thing with, it's the same thing as, uh, what's his face, Rondell Moore, where there were sites that said he was tall, and then he showed up to the combine and actually measured his height, and they were like... It's like they they measured Kyler Murray, but he counted his fro, and they're just like, oh, he's, he's... He's 5'10". He's like, I don't know. I don't know. Push the hair down. We'll see what No we... chance is he 5'10". No yeah. chance is he 5'10". Yeah, I agree uh-huh. with you. So anyway, so I'm with you though. I think that those guys are all interesting, but certainly Shepard is the guy I'm putting on my watch list. What do you think about Bellinger? Is he anybody have interest in? Yeah, absolutely. They cut Ricky Seals-Jones. And that's my part of my argument against John Bates was that John Bates couldn't even fend off Ricky Seals-Jones last year. The Giants brought in Ricky Seals-Jones and cut him for a rookie tight end. So John Bates should be off your radar. Daniel Bellinger definitely needs to be owned in dynasty leagues. And for me, I'm keeping an eye on it. If Kenny Galladay is going to be a big baby and everyone else is going to be hurt, why not? Yeah, why he's not? Coming off, Bellinger coming off the concussion himself, but he could be, ah, yeah. it could be something to watch there. Next matchup, Green Bay Packers going into Minnesota. Another one that I am very confused on. Minnesota is a one and a half point home underdog. A game total of 47 and a half. How Green Bay is considered a favorite here, given sort of the 
uncertainty around their offense outside of the running backs, I think is wild. Minnesota, brand new offense, new head coach being put in. They're looking to mirror what the Rams did last season. Gotta love, I think, the passing attack there with Minnesota. We already did. We already love Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins, 30-plus touchdowns a year, 4,000 yards. Seems like a lock for him. And I don't think there's a bigger Adam Thielen fan out there than you. No, there isn't. And I think that the Vikings offense pretty straightforward in terms of you're starting Jefferson, you're starting Thielen, you're starting Dalvin Cook. On your bench, you have K.J. Osborne or Irv Smith in case the offense drastically changes with a new coach or someone gets hurt, but I'm not starting. You can't start those guys. And then Green Bay, really, it really is a testament to why a quarterback wins MVP every single season. This spread, this 1.5 point spread, because it's based on one man. It's based on Aaron Rodgers because it's the line is okay. The pass catchers are obviously not nearly as good as what they're used to. And then it's once again, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, which they had last year. So I don't know with the Packers pass catchers. I think you got to start Alan Lazard where you were drafting him. Nobody, anybody well, else. He might run. not even be active. That's the problem. They're saying he's looking more like doubtful. Really? Alan Lazard? Yeah. So you got to get Romeo Dubs into some DFS lineups. You obviously didn't see what I tweeted out there last night. I said, with Alan Lazar looking less and less likely to play, everything is setting up for the week one Sammy Watkins explosion. The last three seasons in week one for Sammy Watkins. Last year, four catches, 96 yards. 2020, seven catches, 82 and a score. And then the infamous 2019, nine for 198 and three touchdowns. Yeah. Sammy Watkins uh, could go out there as the starting wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers this week with Lazard questionable. They said they they want Watson to suit up, but I mean the man's barely seen the field during the preseason. You could have Watts, Watkins on one side, Dubs on the other, Randall Cobb in the like this yeah. could be lining up for Sammy Watkins. The problem is uh, who if Lazard doesn't play, are you playing any of these Packers wide receivers? Like where DFS. Your, I don't know DFS only. Yeah DFS. Like, yeah. But in, in my defense, I just retweeted your tweet. Thank you. In my defense, you tweeted this at quarter after midnight, and I now have a 7 a.m. to true. 10 a.m. radio show. So the quarter after midnight tweets are tomorrow so, tweets. To my me. own defense, I also didn't go to bed for another three hours. So like, you, you know, also have a show. Uh, yeah. So there's there are definitely differences of schedule between us both at the moment. So that's true. I forgot that you're no longer a night owl with me. So We're covering all hours of the day. That's the great thing about this podcast is we come together during the overlap and we cover all hours of the day. I think there's probably only now, nowadays, now that you're on the, that you're up late and I have the morning show, there's probably only two hours where we don't have anybody on coverage for sports. That's true. Very accurate there. So Packers wide receivers don't know what to do with them. Running backs, you can play both of them, but we don't really know. We don't know the usage yet. Both yeah. of them, you have to start. Jones and Dylan, you have to play mm-hmm. them. We'll figure it out. We'll see how start. they look. Yeah. You're starting them. And then we're not going to get any clarity probably on Vikings running backs in depth because the, we, they, we know they talked about trading Alexander Madison. They like Ty Chandler. They like Keenan Nwangu. But that only comes into play when something happens. So you're not going to get any clarity there week one, unfortunately. It's no longer the preseason. It's going to be Dalvin Cook on the well, vest. The clarity course. is that it's Dalvin Cook until he gets hurt. Madison right. never got a time, a, a lot of snap share anyways when Dalvin Cook was healthy. So that's the clarity. It's Dalvin Cook until he's hurt. And then you figure out what the situation is after that. And you mentioned the wide receivers in, in Minnesota straightforward. KG Osborne, your guy on the bench, or your waiver wire watch list guy to see what happens there. Kansas City versus Arizona. Highest gain total on the board, 53 and a half. It's the one. Cardinals are three and a half point home underdogs here. Basically looking at a Chiefs team here, Coop, where, yep, it's Travis Kelsey and then a whole bunch of new receivers for Patrick Mahomes. 
Yeah, going to be interesting for sure. Juju Smith-Schuster made a big bet on himself, taking less money to go to a spot where there was targets and a spot to win a championship. He could get paid. He's still super, super young. He might only be 25, 24. How old is Juju? He came in the league crazy young. So, like, he's 25, yeah. So he could get paid big after this season, but he needs those targets. If he goes there and doesn't beat out those other guys – he probably lost big on this bet because he could have got whatever DJ Chark got easily. Some team would have gave him money to go there. Yeah, back-to-back um, years, he's bet on himself. Last year, it didn't work out. This year, a bunch of much better situation. Everybody likes to point out to his 2018 season, right? What it looks like when you have a healthy, legitimate quarterback there. 111 catches, 166 targets, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns for Juju in year two at Pittsburgh. Crazy game. You know, a and, crazy season. And they're bringing him in. And listen, the one thing with Sky Moore and with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, those are downfield guys. Nico Hardman, downfield guys. Juju's going to sit in, I think, find those intermediate routes where Mahomes is going to be able to find it, in my opinion. Juju's really good about finding the space. And when he gets to football, he's a guy that can make some moves. So I, I do like Juju a lot. That's the thing. You can make narratives for all these guys. Juju, you just made the one for him. Miko Hardman, we know that when he was drafted, it was during that period, the word just came out that Tyreek Hill's son broke his arm, and then the voicemail came out, and then the draft happened where they took Miko Hardman, and then after that, it all got cleared up and they extended him. So there is a narrative that he had been blocked by by Tyreek Hill and that he's going to play that role. Then there's the narrative that Marquez Valdez-Scaling was behind Devontae Adams, and maybe he could play a field stretcher role. Then there's obviously the Sky Moore rookie narrative, second-round pick. There's a lot of narratives for a lot of these guys. It makes it tough to just plant your flag on one, but I yeah. would plant mine on Juju, who we know has done it before. Yeah, Sky Moore, in terms of Miko Hardman, I'm terrified by the fact that they did bring in two receivers and then drafted right. Sky Moore in the second round. I think they kind of know what he is at this point. Marcus Valdez-Scaling was a guy that I was initially all in on where he was going in drafts very late. His ADP really moved up over the last month or so. But my one narrative around Marcus Valdez-Scaling is he finally gives something to Patrick Mahomes that he didn't have. And it's a downfield guy with size. Tyreek Hill is a burner, but he was small. Marcus Valdez-Scaling was running, running a 4 3 40 at the combine. I know that doesn't matter anymore. But just saying, speaking to his downfield speed, and he's 6'4". So, like... Mm. Now Patrick yeah. Mahomes can throw downfield and have a guy that can run as fast as Tyreek Hill and then go up in there and get it as well. So there's obviously drop problems with Marcus Valdez-Scanley. There's always been consistency. It's why he was never able to truly break out as that number two guy in Green Bay. Plus, obviously, the target share going to Devontae Adams. But I think this is an opportunity for him there. If he can get on the field, by all accounts, he's going to be one of the starting receivers out there for that offense. So, But all of that doesn't necessarily matter when Travis Kelsey is also locked in for 140 targets. So yeah. Yeah, I'll tell this. From a dynasty standpoint, Juju's on a one-year deal. Michael Hardman's on the last year of his deal. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, they can get out of that deal. They can potentially cut him as soon as next year with only four mil in dead cap. So whoever they decide to move forward with, whoever they, after this year, they say, this is our guy, we're going to extend him and pay him, you just hit the jackpot. Right? Like you just got the wide receiver that was the chosen one that's going to be playing with Patrick Mahomes. So in Dynasty, all of them are interesting to have. And one, potentially two of them are going to be big winners coming out of this year. Yep, I agree with you there 100%. The biggest question I think going into this game, of course, is the Warner Chiefs running back situation. They kept Ronald Jones. Pacheco obviously had the monster hype train around him all preseason. Then that died down immensely. He went in the 14th round of a draft they did last night for a guy that was going as high as the 8th round at one point during the preseason. Clyde Ritzelaire still there. Jarek McKinnon still there. A huge mess. I don't know if you can start any of them with confidence 
The only one you would consider starting, I think, at this point is CEH, but yeah. it can't be anything more than a flex. Nope. Mike, yeah, you just start CEH. If, if you drafted him in that spot with the intentions of starting him, carry on. If you have somebody that's hurt, he's the safest one, but you obviously can't start Ronald Jones or Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, like, no chance no when chance. I start those guys. Yeah. And then on the other side of the ball, Zach Ertz could be bagged up. We could get a look at Trey McBride. He's no more than a DFS play to me, but, you know, this is how it happens. Starter gets hurt, older guy, Pat Fryermuth comes along, and all of a sudden they say, you know what, Eric Ebron, we don't need you anymore. If Zach Ertz needs to, if he's even close to healthy, he needs to play and protect his job from Trey McBride. That is, that's the way that this league works. In, in, Zach Ertz's favor, they gave him a three-year deal. Two-year of those are pretty much ironclad, so he's not going anywhere this year or next. But if you're a McBride dynasty guy, you want to see him getting those looks. John, Cardinals wide receivers, who are you starting? Who are you stashing? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think Hollywood's the only one you can play with confidence. Rondale, if you're in like a two-flex, three-wide receiver league, maybe he fits into your like your last flex spot because there's been obviously some movement around his value and hype around how they plan on kind of utilizing him in this offense the draft investment in him last season they, they got at least see what they got i think but if you want to play AJ green not really best ball he's gonna probably find a lot more value so for me it's hollywood it's Ertz, and that's probably it like that's it man you're starting kyler you're starting james connor so it's yep. not like this this is a 53 and a half point over under game you're starting most of the guys in there but it's not like one where you're starting everybody yeah. Uh, DF, DFS stabs. Ronald Rondell Moore feels like a good DFS stab. A guy that 1.3 yard a dot last year, and but he could take a he's squirrely enough to take a screen for a touchdown. And we've seen Ron Kyler Murray scramble around buy extra time and find him. Yeah. And and yeah, so that's that kind of guy. Yeah, DFS I, best. I, I also guy. want to look at how the RB two situation in Arizona plays out. Benjamin Darrell Williams. Yeah. Where, where's the value there? I like. Oh. I'll say it right now. I like you know Benjamin. Yeah, I think what's weird to me, or not weird to me, is just the fact that Mahomes talked so glowingly about Darrell Williams, and they bring him in. We'll see how he profiles. Benjamin's not a big guy either, so we'll see what happens with that one. Last game of the main slate there, Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers. They're running it back after the wild way last season ended, which we thought was going to be a tie, and then the Chargers sort of made a move to go for a first down, and then the Raiders, what are you doing? And then they went out and won the game. So, or was, did I have that reversed? Whatever way yeah. it ended. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. Car Adams, obviously the one to watch here. Devontae Adams now in Las Vegas. How does that play out? And then after that, it's who is the number two guy in Las Vegas? Is it Waller? Is it Renfro? And what does the running back situation look like with Las Vegas? Yeah, if you have Derek Carr on your roster, I've, it's going to be hard for you not to put him in there. I don't know who your other quarterback is where you're not starting Well, Derek it's Trey Lance is who you probably draft, like I said. <laughs> But in this um, matchup, man, the Vegas likes Derek Carr. This matchup's great for him. Like, I'm starting Derek. If I have Derek Carr and Trey Lance or Derek Carr and Justin Fields, I'm starting Derek Carr. Derek and I'm Carr probably starting for 4,800 yards last year without <laughs> Devontae Adams. With 100, without Darren Waller for half right. the year. So, like, I'm getting him in there. And and I think they get the Cardinals next week. So, you got another match. You, you got two weeks to figure it out. That's what made Derek Carr the perfect kind of yin yang quarterback move of grabbing him and stashing an upside play, a mobile guy, because. You can you can lock him in for these two weeks. And so that'll be great. I need to know what the Raiders number two target's gonna be. If it's gonna be Darren Waller, if it's gonna be Hunter Renfro, if it's gonna be really thin. The reason we've always liked Darren Waller is because he's a guy that at any given time can get 15 targets, right? If those days are over, the Darren Waller might not be a guy that's ranked in the tier that we want him to be because he's had some pretty mediocre games, some pretty inefficient games. And then he would just come out and have these crazy games and you'd be like, this guy's awesome. 
if he's not doing that anymore, then a little bit of the shine is off. He's 30 years old now. Something to seriously keep an eye out for Darren Waller. Yeah, I agree with you there. Chargers are another team we love. We know where the football goes here. Yeah, love that. Love that. He, like, just give it to the three guys. Give it to Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Throw Gerald Everett a bone here every now and again. If he wants to be Jared Cook, that's perfectly fine with me. But just highly consolidated targets is what we want in this world. The only question that I have left for this matchup, John, is Josh McDaniels going to bring his Erhart Perkins backfield, the most annoying backfield in all of fantasy football? Is he bringing that to Las Vegas? Are we getting a split or are they going to let Josh Jacobs live his life? It seems like we're going to get a split just based off the way it's been reported. But I am also very interested. I have I took Jacobs in leagues as my RB3 because he was falling so far down drafts. Falling, the yeah. seventh, so I, got a, I think I got him as late as a seventh round in a draft as my RB3. Listen, I, what, if that's the running back system that they're going to bring in then Jacobs is still in line for potentially 10 touchdowns, which is I'm okay with, right? If he runs for 850 yards and 10 scores, RB3, fine. Like, I'm okay with that. If you were if you had Damian Harris as your RB3 last year, you were a happy boy. That's what boy. I'm saying, right? Like, people who are so worried about this whole running back shift, oh, you never know who it's going to be. I'm like, that's not really true. If you look at historically, whoever ends up grabbing the lead running back situation in New England has a lot of success. We go all the way back. The only year you can sign a discount that it was the Cam Newton year. And that's because Cam Newton ran for 12 touchdowns. But right. whenever there's been a non-mobile quarterback back there, running it all the way back, I, I wrote it out. It was like Damian Harris, Cal, Stephen Ridley, Deion Lewis, Blount. You do the Jarvis Green Ellis. Ellis. He had like, like eight touchdowns, yeah, right? Like, like they've anybody that has been a lead running back in a Patriots. Now again, Patriots, Tom Brady, huge difference. But they've always been a guy that has threatened a thousand yards with 10-plus rushing touchdown upside. So if you're going to tell me that Josh Jacobs isn't going to catch the football as much anymore, which is unfortunate because he can clearly do it, but he's in line for 850, 900 yards, and 12 touchdowns, then as your RB3, you're okay with that. That is fine. You're not going to be upset with that. So there's just too many people, I think, out there that think that the Patriots just go 50-50 timeshare with their running backs as like their lead running backs. That's not really how it's worked in the past. They have had a lead back get dominate the early touches. It's just that going into the season, we tend to think it's one guy, and then it just ends up being the backup. So yeah, this yeah. year, it seems like it should be Damian Harris after last year, but we're all getting worried that it's probably going to be Ramondre Stevenson. So, But if Stevenson mm-hmm. takes that job, it's not going to be a 50-50 split. Stevenson's going to be the early down back, and Harris is going to be the backup. Right. Yeah, for me, this Raiders offense, the it's pretty settled who's doing what, in my opinion. The real question, is this offensive line going to be any good? Because I know PFF has them pretty low. Our guy, Dan Malin, does a great job, and he hasn't ranked 30th. So they just cut straight up released Leatherwood, uh, yeah. Leatherwood which is Which maybe terrifying. is an improvement because he was awful. Yeah. So. Yeah. so you got to hope that they hit the nail on the head with Charles Cross in this draft. That would... That is that would change everything. If this left tackle rookie they drafted, Charles Cross, is the real deal, then then that really sl- it's like that meme where he where it's like the water's leaking out and he just slaps the patch on there. A a good left tackle can do that for you. So if he pans out, man, this team could be very good. Yep, I agree with you 100 there. So Sunday night football game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Dallas Cowboys. We saw this exact matchup last year start the season. Awesome. It was in Tampa Bay. It wasn't in in Dallas. There. Biggest news, obviously, Coop Chris Godwin practicing without the knee break brace yesterday. Still uncertain as to whether or not he's going to play. I have to assume he's going to if he's out there practicing without the knee brace. But the Tampa Bay offense, I think, is another one where, at least in my mind, it's fairly straightforward on the top guys. 
And then the guys that we're going to look at with Julio Jones, and and now I'm forgetting the other wide receiver there. Why am I? Russell Gage. Yeah, Russell Gage. They're probably not going to be impactful guys right away. I don't even know if Russell Gage is back practicing. Like this, this is an interesting. That's and that's why I like Julio Jones as a as a scratch ticket. Where if you draft Julio Jones and he goes out and he's Julio Jones playing with Tom Brady, you got to remember that Tom Brady's twelve years older than Julio Jones. He probably doesn't look at Julio Jones the way that we do as an old guy. To Tom Brady, Julio Jones is actually pretty young. Right. So there could be a connection there. We've seen Tom Brady match up with Antonio Brown, match up with Randy Moss, and it is fireworks. Right. So there's the potential for that to happen. Now, I call him a scratch ticket because if he does nothing week one, then you drop him because he's not going to get better as Russell Gage gets healthy. He's not going to get better as Chris Godwin gets back up to speed. So it gives you a quick answer. Sometimes with these shallow benches, that's what you want with your last pick. You just want somebody where you're going to either have upside to where you can start him right away or you're going to see that he's nothing, and then you can drop him for the hot waiver pickup. That Julio Jones is the quintessential scratch ticket to me in that situation. Now, on the other side of the ball, the target share is no longer completely figured out. We don't know what's going on with Michael Gallup, and there's also these rumors about running back. So, John, for the Cowboys, pass catchers. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb is in your lineup no matter what. Either of these other guys... Do you are you find yourself drafting a lot of Michael Gallup or Jalen Tolbert or so I do have this? a ton of Gallup because of where he's been going in drafts and the fact that doctors recently cleared him. So the fact that doctors cleared him and the team didn't put him on the pup list, I think gives a good indication that he's gonna be ready to go sooner rather than later. This is likely gonna be a situation probably with Chris Godwin as well, though, where if they're both active for week one, it is not a full workload. They're gonna be out there, they'll get there. 15%, 20% snap share, something low where they're just getting some feelers. They're testing the knee and game environments. And then we're going to see how exactly they go as the games move on. But I think it's a good first test. Now, that means you're probably unlikely starting Godwin or not Godwin. You're going to start Godwin if he's active. Just in my opinion, you have to. The upside's too great. But for Gallup, it feels like you're probably not going to play him. You Where you drafted him, you likely took other receivers that you're comfortable starting over him. Same thing with Jalen Tolbert, unless you really jumped on him earlier this season. He's probably somebody that you're just comfortable keeping on your bench for now. Yeah, I'm fully there with you, dude. Like, you, you can't can't start him at this point. Just get him get him on the bench and, and see what happens there. Schultz, Dalton Schultz, you got to start. And uh, I think for the early part of the season, he should be a very reliable start. I'm still stashing a second tight end. No interest in any of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight ends. Just nobody's good. Like, Not Kyle unless Rudolph. one of them pops break comes out with seven targets the rookie there comes out and is getting red zone looks or whatever then maybe they they become a bit more intriguing but at the outset none of them look appealing yeah dfs play if you're playing just at the sunday night slate or if you're trying to just be totally different but yeah beyond that no there's no need no i agree and then obviously the cowboys running backs where does pollard fit in how does zeke look is the end near for ezekiel elliott you and i obviously don't believe so but there's many out there that have been touting that so and i want to see what the uh, the dallas offensive line looks like they just signed jason peters but obviously they've lost some guys on that line so we'll see how that looks too for sure if paul this could be it could finally happen john they say that all the time running backs gonna play slot it never happens Maybe Tony Pollard's going to be the first time it ever actually happens. Yeah, we'll see. I'll count the snaps on one hand, probably. Yeah, uh, let's see. Monday Night Football. This is the other sort of interesting schedule maker decision, I think. Denver Broncos going into Seattle to face the Seahawks. Seattle getting just six and a half points here. 44 and a half game total. Russell Wilson returned to Seattle. 
I don't know how this is only six and a half points. Denver's loaded on both sides of the football. Seattle's got who's their quarterback there? The Geno Smith. Geno right? Smith. Like, yeah. How is this a less than a touchdown? Like I'm so confused. You're confused, dude. I legit have been. I got to do beef with the Seattle's mascot on Twitter, Blitz. Me and Blitz have been arguing on Twitter about this one because I said the same thing you said. I said, how is the spread on Denver at Seattle only six and a half? The Broncos going to obliterate the Seahawks. And then friggin' Blitz comes out and says, I remember last time someone said the Broncos are going to obliterate the Seahawks. And then he said, hashtag Super Bowl 48. So I was like, okay, Blitz. Like, how about this? I go, it's easy money. How about you and me bet on it? Broncos versus Seahawks. Loser posts a video taking a pie in the face. So I basically pulled out Howard Bender's pie bet on this freaking this dirty bird mascot, and he didn't respond. Coward. So I'll let that be. I'm sure he probably had to check with the team. He probably can't go out be betting <laughs> pies yeah, on not. Twitter. Yeah, but I'll just say never responded. The birds even so. eat pie. Maybe you should have done a peanut butter challenge or something like that. I don't know. Could have been. All I know is that he didn't respond. One point coop, zero points blitz in that argument <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, so much for the 12th man there, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm the 12th man now. Yeah, exactly. All right. Other than that, Denver side, Sutton, Judy. I want. I've been big on Jerry Judy. I've I've had this conversation. It's not that I'm down on Sutton. I was just getting such a discount on Jerry Judy that I just kept on going with him. Plus, he had a really good rookie year. It was like 50 catches, 850 yards, and his quarterbacks were Drew Locke, Jeff Jeff Driscoll, Brett Ripien, and then one game was Kendall Hinton, the receiver, where they didn't throw the football. So like he was even down a game basically. In, in terms of being able to do a, a total production. And he had a really good receiving season as a rookie. Now you give him Russell Wilson, a guy that supported 2,000-yard receivers. I was just taking Judy on the round discount. I think both guys are going to be great. Good opportunity here for Wilson to come out and just torch his former team. I mean, it's I think that's exactly what it's going to be. So it, it'll be interesting to see Sutton versus Judy. I Like you, we looked, at the, we looked at the odds for the season-long odds, and I pivoted from drafting Sutton to drafting Judy. Just ADP-wise, it made a lot more sense to me. We want to see the split for the running backs. And then for the Seahawks, Rashad Penny, man. He is a very divisive player. He had a bunch of monster games to end last year. I think most, the average person, if you weren't, if you didn't pick up Penny and you weren't in your fantasy playoffs watching it, then you didn't see him have these games. 16 carries for 137 yards, two touchdowns. Then he played. That was against the Texans, though. So keep in mind these matchups: 137 yards, two touchdowns versus the Texans. He plays the Rams, 39 yards, zero touchdowns. Not a good game. Then he gets the Bears, bad team, 135 yards and a touchdown. The Lions, bad team, 170 yards and two touchdowns. Then he finishes the season against the Cardinals, which are okay defensive, not crazy. 190 yards and a touchdown. 137, 135, 170, 190. That's all on the ground. Crazy upside in that situation. But this is a dude that's never caught more than 10 passes in the season. So you kind of, it's, it, if it's good, it's going to be good. If it's bad, it's going to be real bad. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then obviously we need to know, obviously you can play a lock in Metcalf, but you really have to temper your expectations for them. You got to start DK Metcalf. If you if you drafted DK Metcalf, you're starting DK Metcalf. Yeah, but not, neither guy is more than your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, five at this point. No. Lockett actually had better success with Smith playing sort of the underneath game, and Metcalf had a couple you know shots downfield, but neither of them are right. But you could get Lockett in the spot in the draft where you don't have to start him. Exactly. But that's the difference. Is that I wasn't drafting Metcalf, but if you drafted him, then you got to start him. You know what I mean? That's just you've made that bet. At this point, like I said, ADP's out the window. Maybe you still have a draft left, but we're 
get it. We're there. You know what I mean? You probably already had all your drafts. If you drafted Metcalf, start. Yep, I agree with you there. That is it. That is week one matchup preview here. You and I will be doing this all season long. And if you're not tired of us by then, you can also catch us on Sundays doing the Fantasy Alarm game day live stream, answering your start sick questions, your DFS questions, you name it. We got it. We're with you up until 12 o'clock on Sunday's live stream. Got to get in our Discord though to ask us the questions to be answered live on youtube facebook periscope twitter wherever we're being streamed questions are being sent into our discord and you can join our discord right now become by becoming an all pro member with the deal that we got going on where you save 50 percent off the first six months that takes you through the entire nfl season and it is promo code nfl50 it's about 20 bucks a month for the next six months with code nfl50 and it's not just the nfl season dfs and seasonal content that you get access to It's literally the entire site. You get all of our NFL DFS and seasonal coverage. Our college football DFS, Dan Cervidario and Pete Cole are crushing it through two weeks of college football DFS. MLB DFS is still rocking right now. NBA and NHL start up in October. We have NASCAR with three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. We have MMA kicking off still going on right now. PGA, the winner kick, the winner turn is about to start up right now with Drew Phelps, who helped me win $1,000 in the uh, final tournament of the last PGA series. So everything you want on Fantasy Alarm, next six months, discounted 50% using promo code NFL50. Go to FantasyAlarm.com slash all pro to get to that checkout page. Use promo code NFL50. Honestly, no better time than now to join and become a member of the family. Right. Like you're, and you're not going to, this isn't some website where we were just paying interns to write articles or whatever, like some of these other ones. Like we have legitimate specialists and not, and some like a uh, producer, Drew, crushing the golf. We have Matt Sells, three out of four years. He's been the NASCAR writer of the year. I, my tight end series has been nominated for best ongoing series, and I write. The, just the tight end DFS. I specialize in what I specialize and I focus on that. So you're not going to get diluted takes from me trying to like do all, do, do too much. Like I'm locked in. You're going to get that for every position. You're going to get Howard's lineups. You're like, we are making sure that you're getting the highest quality content if you're going to be paying for it. And you honestly don't even have to pay that much this year, which is awesome about that. But we're not going to go out there and just write articles just to write articles. Like I want to be the best tight end guy in the league and i work hard at that so when you get those articles you're gonna get the exact guys that i'm playing in my lineups and you're gonna get that for every position and you're gonna get that for every sport so you can always count on us to give you the our 100 effort and really be focused on what we do because we want to be the best at doing it yep i agree with you 100 so go ahead facetime.com slash all pro promo code nfl50 join the family for the nfl season maybe you could be like millionaire mike last year week three a million dollars in FanDuel on the $5 contest. He's in our Discord. You get all access to our premium Discord where myself, Andrew Cooper, Adam Ronas, Howard Bender, Colby Conway, James Ronde, Matt Sells, Justin Vreeland, Ray Kuhn, Pete Cole, Dan Servidio, you name them. We're in there answering your questions. Roster lock, game days, all season long. Come join the family. Fanstime.com slash all pro, promo code NFL50. For Coop and I, we'll be back next week for week two. Talk to you guys later.